Hello, welcome to Let's Talk Cancer by the Union for International Cancer Control, an organisation that unites and supports the cancer community to reduce the global cancer burden. I'm Kerry Adams, the CEO of UICC, based here in Geneva. Cancer stages 1, 2, 3 and 4. Many will have heard these terms, but may not know exactly what they mean or where they come from. They are the basis of the internationally accepted standard for cancer staging, TNM, Tumor Nose Metastases Classification. Doctors use this system to classify the stage at which a cancer is diagnosed, how far it has advanced in the body at the time it is detected. The Union for International Cancer Control has pioneered the TNM classification for the past 50 years. The development of a common language has been groundbreaking in healthcare. Above all, it is an essential tool for doctors to explain the cancer to their patients and prescribe the appropriate treatment plan. With us today to discuss the origin, meaning and importance of TNM classification is Dr. Mary Gospodarovich, UICC past president and co-chair of UICC's TNM project. Mary, thank you very much for being with us today. Thank you very much for having me. Mary, let's talk about stage one, two, three, four. What's the difference between a one, a two, a three and a four? Stage 1 disease is when the cancer, the tumor is localized to the site where it's presenting. So, for example, in the breast cancer, the tumor is localized to the breast and it's small and it's highly curable with surgical excision. Stage 2 usually represent tumors that are larger and more difficult to control even without spread. Stage 3 is what we call locally extensive disease, so the tumor may extend Beyond breast, it may have spread to the lymph nodes that are close to the site of origin, so-called regional lymph nodes. And stage four represent cancer where the tumor may have metastasized. Very simply, what is metastatic cancer? Cancer cells have ability to invade the tissue and migrate to other parts of the body. So metastatic cancer just simply says that the cancer has spread from its site of origin to another part of the body. And as you mentioned earlier, it becomes more complicated to treat a stage three and stage four cancer than stage one, two. UICC's role is quite unique, isn't it, in terms of pulling together a guideline which is used universally. The UICC got involved with the TNM classification actually longer than 50 years ago because Professor Pierre Danois from France originated the concept. The concept of cancer staging was first noted almost 100 years ago when clinicians recognized that small tumors without spread were associated with much better prognosis. This was before treatment with drugs or any systemic therapy. The only treatment available 100 years ago was surgery and at the beginning, radiotherapy. So it was recognized that if cancer was localized to one part of the body, it could be controlled for a period of time and could be sometimes occasionally cured. But once it has spread, all patients died. So the extent of disease became a very important determinant of prognosis. And as our toolbox of various treatments has expanded and our knowledge and ability to detect extent of disease has expanded with introduction of imaging, and then gradual improvements in imaging, the classifications became more and more sophisticated. UACC has had commitment to continue to maintain this classification so it is relevant to clinicians 
and to cancer control bodies globally. But I guess for healthcare professionals generally, this is a useful language for dialogue and discussion and debate. The classification of cancer into the tumor node and metastases has been the backbone of our language to describe the extent of disease. And it continues to be relevant even when we have much more sophisticated tools to prognosticate. All the practice guidelines that exist are written according to the stage or the extent of disease. Cancer staging is used everywhere to determine prognosis, to communicate this prognosis with patients, to determine the best possible treatment for the patient. It is indispensable. It's a massive job keeping it up to date. And I know that there's a review period of every five to seven years. So in a normal review, Mary, do you, do you see a, a significant number of changes or updates because of the advances in the, our understanding of cancer? We try to keep the changes to the minimum because the changes in classification have a profound effect on cancer registries all over the world. And it's actually quite costly to change the classification, change what's being recorded. However, the classification must stay relevant to current treatment and diagnostic tools. Otherwise, clinicians will stop using it. It's not reflecting what we need to know to predict the outcome. The last edition was in 2016, Mary. When is it going to be revised? What do you anticipate will happen? We are currently under discussions to produce the classifications that will come into effect 2023, 2024. We have some situations where the classification is difficult to interpret because of the differences that exist around the world in availability of modern diagnostic imaging. And we know that if we do more imaging, we detect the spread of disease earlier. And especially in uh, prostate cancer, that has become an issue worldwide because, for example, in the United Kingdom, most patients at the diagnosis have MRI or magnetic resonance imaging of the prostate to confirm the extent of disease. Many patients around the world don't have access to MRI for localized prostate cancer at all. With early detection, we can diagnose cancer earlier and we see what's called stage shift, where more patients present with stage 1 and 2 disease than when stage 3 and 4 disease. And that stage shift is the first indication that our programs of screening or early detection are working. There's also new molecular imaging that detects spread of prostate cancer, that's uh, PSMA PET scans, and they very often detect spread of prostate cancer beyond the prostate, beyond the pelvis, uh, into the lymph nodes or the bones, way before this can be detected on any other form of imaging. So we know that the use of these advanced imaging systems will move patients into the higher stage category without necessarily changing their prognosis because they've always had that extent of disease. And these changes are called stage migration. So you migrate patients to a higher stage just because you can detect more disease rather than changing the prognosis. So those two concepts that I talked about, stage shift, which is a good thing with early detection, the patients are presenting with earlier disease, 
and the less beneficial thing, stage migration, which you basically move patients with early disease to a higher stage just because you image more, uh, need to be understood for people to be able to interpret the meaning of stage in the disease. I've heard about essential TNM. What is that? So the TNM classification is deemed to be quite difficult for cancer registrars in new cancer registries in developing countries where the resources may be limited. And frankly, in order to determine the effectiveness of early detection and screening, all you need to do is to record whether a patient has stage one, two, three, or four. Stage one and two could be put together as localized disease, stage three is locally extensive, and stage four is metastatic. And even the knowledge of having fewer patients presenting with metastatic disease is an early indication of successes of early detection and screening programs. So what we proposed for new cancer registries that are just starting and are trying to have comprehensive set of data is we published a so-called essential TNM, which is very simple to use and is developed for most common cancers and has been pretested in many countries in Africa quite successfully so that we can start promoting the culture of recording disease extent everywhere. That's a fantastic initiative. Mary, what else is there to do? I think what we're trying to do now is align the TNM project better with the UACC uh, direction to improve global cancer control. And we're having discussions of how the use of staging and prognostic factors can lead to recording of outcomes and then can lead to better assessment of quality of intervention and looking how the whole package deal of better diagnosis, better assessment of disease extent, better recording of disease extent, better recording of prognostic factors can help with global cancer control. Because we all talk about global cancer control from the top, from national cancer control plans, from very general decisions and interventions, but we need to connect it with day-to-day practice of cancer diagnosis and cancer treatment. So that's what we're trying to do now, is to connect the work that's being done by clinicians on the ground with work that's done by cancer control professionals. So this whole machine works uh, better and uh, delivers better outcomes. I should add that while TNM is very important, Our work in the last couple of decades extended beyond the TNM, but also raising awareness of the importance of other prognostic factors, other determinants of outcome. We know that beyond the the disease, the patient is a very important determinant of outcome. Patients who are older, patients who have comorbidities may not be able to tolerate treatment as well as younger and fit patients, and that will result in different outcomes. We also are aware that the other potential and powerful determinant outcome is treatment. And while we all know about the access to treatment and difficulties that people have in accessing treatment, the other very important determinant is the quality of treatment. And the quality of treatment is something that's not very well measured, but it's also a very powerful determinant of outcome. So in our publications now, even in the TNM book, we do put in the back what are the other factors that need to be taken into account when discussing the prognosis and the outcome with the patient and with a prescribing treatment. 
And that work is also very important because it lets us discuss the outcomes that should be recorded and should be known other than survival in order to assess our own quality of treatment. Thank you very much for your time. Um, it's been fascinating. I know how important you've been to UICC over the many years, but your commitment to TNM is very well respected. So thank you very much indeed. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Let's Talk Cancer. If you like this podcast, please subscribe for more content from tobacco control to cancer prevention, treatment and care.